John Boy Media has a new teammate. It's iHeart Podcasts. What does it mean? John Boy Media shows can now be found over at the Dan Patrick Show. That's right. How cool is that? Wake and Jake and Jimmy's three things have joined the iHeart Podcast and Dan Patrick Show family. And the best part, they'll still continue to be the same shows you know and love. If you couldn't tell, we're excited about this one. And thank you guys for listening. Yeah, let's do this. It's hot in Florida. It's hot in here. <laughs> no big deal. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Shea Station Player Profile and Projections. We are not in the hot sun anymore. We're at our wonderful Airbnb here down in Port St. Lucie. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jack A.A. Jolly. Joining me on the Shea Station-themed couch is Jerry Blevins. And Jerry, we have another fun Mets player to talk about for 20 minutes. Let's do it. His name is Edwin Diaz. And he just got paid a lot of money. In fact, more than any relief pitcher in MLB history. And he deserves it. The guy was unbelievable last year. Everybody remembers the Timmy the Trumpet. Timmy the Trumpet? No, Timmy Trumpet. I mean, that's advertising. The the most electric walkout song in closer history. Like, I, it's hard for me to say that with Mariano Rivera being the guy, but it wasn't electric. It didn't create atmosphere. Everybody was just like, cool, this is a party. Like, well, I'm not comparing the two as accomplishments, but walkout songs and creating atmosphere, I think Diaz has got him in that. All I'm saying is nobody on the Red Sox ever played Enter Sandman as their walk-up, and now Edwin Diaz doesn't have to worry about a brave sitter using his song because now he plays in Milwaukee. That's but I digress. The episode's not about William Contreras. <laughs> it's about Edwin Diaz, and it is brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook, who is sponsoring today's PVP. Thank you to them. What is better than watching NBA action? Well, watching MLB action. But... <laughs> We can't do that yet. Being a part of it is better than that, guys. And with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, you can tap into all the excitement with the click of a button. That sounds easy. New customers can place $5 on any pregame money line bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Take that bonus bet money, put it into some same-game parlays, boost those NBA winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. That's pretty huge. Download their free and easy-to-use app now. Sign up with code SHEA, S-H-E-A. It's literally all over the couch if you don't know how to spell it. New customers place $5 on any pregame money line bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Only at the Trafficking Sportsbook with code SHEA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And thank you to DraftKings for sponsoring us today. Let's talk about the Trumpet Man. Oh, Jerry. let's do it. Let's do it. Let's give dive the, into these me, stats. Yeah, give me a stat line from last year. I mean, I could read it all day. I could just read it for 20 minutes, and that could just be the episode. Do you want to know my favorite one is 61 games, 62 innings pitched. Yeah, what, what was the tuning game? It's, do you remember? Well, no, he did. He came in a few times early, so he Same. went one plus when he needed it in the eighth inning, that kind of thing. So it wasn't – he he came in when he needed to. He said it from the jump. I think him and Buck – had the conversation where, and Hefner as well, he's like, sometimes you're going to be need to be called upon a little bit earlier, and he did that. You have him right there. Yeah, the two-inning game was August 4th against the Braves. I think it was the game where we got one of these. Yeah. Zip your mouth. I could be wrong. Oh, I don't remember that. You don't but remember that's, that? that's a good clip. So he, he went two innings, he went one and two-thirds twice, and he went one and a third three times. Like, that's, that's great. That's a reliable guy. He did a lot of other stuff, too. 
including locking down 32 saves with a 1.31 ERA, 0.84 whip, 118 strikeouts in 62 innings. I looked at that, and I said, oh, no, did our research guy Dalton make a typo? That's Shout correct. Shout out to Dalton, by Shout the way. Shout out Dalton Feely for saving our lives with these great scripts. Yeah, Edwin Diaz was, uh, he was really good. Very good. Really 118, good. 118 strikeouts, only 18 walks in 62 innings. That's crazy. That is uh, 17.1 case per nine. Did you just do that math on the spot? I How about did. It? Thanks, Dalton. <laughs> uh, that's ridiculous. He had an incredible year. He was going into free agency, but the beautiful thing, and the, I think one of the most important kind of under-the-radar things that they did is sign him before he reached the free agency period. They signed him in that little five-day grace period so you can exclusively negotiate. They gave him a fair market deal, what he would have gotten on the open market. He wanted to come back. They gave him what he was going to get anyway. There was no BS, no, you know. You heard a little bit about what Corbin Burns went through with the Milwaukee Brewers and their arbitration, things that they brought to the table and said a few things that really irked him. You've seen a a few things, uh, if you've been looking, out on Twitter about how guys are spilling the beans a little bit and how they're handled on the business side because it becomes personal, even though you don't want it to be. If they're arguing against your worth, sometimes it gets personal when it shouldn't or it feels that way. What I love is they signed Edwin Diaz early and they didn't wait until he got there. They were like, we think you're worth this. How does that feel? He says, that's what I'm looking for happy marriage before even thing any goes out because it, yeah. it, it just set the tone for the whole offseason. I think people would have been very surprised at the market for Edwin Diaz because anybody could use a closer, let alone the best closer in baseball. And he was, he was the youngest closer, yep. and he was by far the best. There wasn't much competition for him, especially in his age range. Because if the Mets did not bring back Edwin Diaz, they were looking at options like Kenley Jansen, who did have a great year last year, but he's only getting older. He's in his later 30s now. And Craig Kimbrell, who's kind of a giant unknown. Like, mm-hmm. we don't really know who Craig Kimberl is at this point in his career. We know who Edwin Diaz is now. He might not be at this level for the rest of his career, but we know that he's a top two, top three closer, top one closer. And that's something the Mets needed. They have a great bullpen, but they didn't really have an executive head of the bullpen if Edwin Diaz isn't there. If he didn't sign back, again, before we jump too far and get dive into this, if they didn't sign Edwin Diaz back, the team would be a huge step back. Backward. Yes. Having him at the at the end of the bullpen, I mean, it, you can't. I can't picture it without it because that. I, then I don't know if they go get Verlander. I think they might do a little bit of a reset. I don't know if they go after Nimmo the way they did because how good Edwin Diaz is and how much stability he provides for the whole team, especially the back end of the bullpen, obviously. And I mean. We talk about how many things the Mets had to address this offseason. Getting this done quickly was important because there's so many things to juggle. And I think that we talked a lot about how Nimmo's market was massive. There were so many teams looking for a good center fielder. There's probably more teams looking for a great reliever. And I'm sure that market would have been totally exposed had they let it go to free agency. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, I think, are you know kind of scoffing at the notion of oh, five years, $100 million for Edwin Diaz. I think that if this contract happened... Five years ago, during like after right after the Royals had won their World Series with that dynamite bullpen, because remember the Yankees gave Aroldis Chapman five years, eighty six million. At the time, I don't remember a lot of people balking at that because of the contracts that were being given out to relievers. Now the landscape of the game has definitely changed a little bit to teams developing their own bullpens, but. Edwin Diaz's don't grow on trees. There's no. a reason that he was involved in a massive trade and then signed the most, the, the highest AAV deal for a reliever ever. And he's going into age 29 season. He's got that five years. I mean, look at what 
uh, Adam Adovino did, who we'll cover later, he had arguably his best statistical year last year at age 36, 37. It's incredible what they were both able, capable of doing, and this only goes through his age 34 season. And so. now you supplement them with David Robertson, Brooks Raley, Drew Smith is coming back. You have a really nice back end of your bullpen at this point. But let's talk about everything. Let's get into it. So Steamer likes Edwin Diaz because, you know, who doesn't like Edwin Diaz going into 2023? You'd be insane not to. They have him pitching a few more innings at 64 innings pitched, saving 34 games with a 2.45 ERA, 0.98 whip, another 100 strikeout season, which we like, and 22 walks. So the ERA is a little bit higher, but pretty much everything else is exactly the same. Maybe not to that unbelievably elite lockdown echelon that he was at last year for basically five months of the season. But still, you look at this and you take this to the bank for what you're paying him. Absolutely. If he did this, I think everybody's happy. Yeah. I think uh, he he's numbers came back to earth a little bit, especially the whip, the point eight four that he had last year gets to point nine point nine eight. Still sub one, still elite, and he's still giving you thirty four saves. I think this would be an absolute W for the team and for his worth. And the reason I highlighted the months there is because Edwin Diaz was great the whole season, but it really was from the end of June to the end of the season, thirty four and two thirds innings pitched. Two earned runs allowed, which is a 0.52 ERA. Went 18 for 18 in the save opportunities, uh, 65 strikeouts to seven walks. That was the era where Edwin Diaz was quite literally unhittable. There was nobody putting together rallies on him. The only run scored I really remember from that is the 10-9 to Mets game with Mark Canna's two home runs where the Phillies kind of got a little bit of a rally going before he shut it down, striking out Derek Hall. But Edwin Diaz, even in the lone playoff spot that he had as well, where he th- I think he got five outs, but kind of used him in an interesting spot, was absolutely dynamite down the stretch. And I think it's important because a good first year to this new massive contract, that, that's definitely a new landscape for the Mets in terms of investing in relievers, is very, very important. You want to get out on the right foot of this deal because we're not totally sure what things will look like in year four and year five. But I think most Mets fans are fairly confident that we can kind of judge the outlook of year one being very, very good. Yeah, I, I don't see it as an end-all, be-all. He definitely has to have a good year, especially closing games. His ERA could balloon a little bit, especially in non-save situations, depending on how they deploy him. But he definitely needs to lock down that ninth inning. And, I mean, we need to blow up the trumpet celebrations a little bit more. I know, I know we, we highlighted a lot last year. It became viral. I'm very curious to see <laughs> what they have in store in terms of, like, how can we up the ante? How can we make it even more of a party at City Field? I do know that they spent a good portion of money on the in stu- like in-game uh, scoreboard. They did some things I've there. I've seen a new screen that looks I know they spent large. some money on some cameras. This is strictly Mets. This isn't SNY. This is the New York Mets entertainment. So I, I imagine they're going to do something. I don't think the LED um, lights in the stadium are there yet, but they might be a year or two down the road. I mean, the word you use there that we should highlight is entertainment. Because at the end of the day, sports are an entertainment business, and Edwin Diaz is the most entertaining closer in baseball. The Mets might be the most entertaining team in baseball, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad. Uh, but I think that having – I think one game I went to last year was Mets-Rockies. Uh, they had found, uh, I think, a rhythm to Edwin Diaz's intro, and they blacked out all the stadium lights. It went completely dark. It was on a blackout night on a Friday night. And it was my parents' first game of the year, and they absolutely loved it. My mom was a big fan of Narco. She's got it in her playlist now for her car. Love that for mom. But, yeah, I'm very curious to see if they do anything different this year. Because, you know, there's, I think there's room for uh, 
some fun there. I hope your mom sets the cruise control before she turns that song on because that'll give you a lead foot. You'll definitely get you'll accidentally definitely, lean on the pedal. You'll a definitely bit more. be going too fast if you're playing that. <laughs> uh, do you want to dive into our over under? I a fun do. One. I think that's a, I think that's important. I think the over under. I'm curious where you're going to land on this. We have the over under at 16 Ks per nine. Mm. Last year it was 17.1 which uh, he was uh, at 18, like two per inning for so long. Most of the season. Um, And it's at 16. I think that's the projections from Steamer anyway. Uh, His career average is 14.8 Ks Mm. per nine. That's kind of lower than I thought it would be, but I think that might be a lot of Seattle time. Uh, I'm looking at his baseball reference. In 2020, shortened season, obviously, he was 17.5, which is crazy. 15.4 even in that bad 2019 season, and then mostly below that for the rest of it. So over under 16.0. So I don't know that Edwin Diaz needs to strike out 16 batters per nine to be successful. I think that's, you know, an obvious statement there. Do I think he's capable of it? Yes. But, you know, this is a year after that elite status of him. And, like, you know, you check out his baseball savant here. And, you know, there's not a lot of contact to go around. Um I think I will take the over. Uh, I don't want to spoil it. I'm going to take the over as well. Right. I believe in him. This isn't like a – if he goes under, it's not going to be like a terrible – this isn't one of those markers of a year uh, over under where he's subpar. It means his performance was subpar. But this is strictly about about Ks. I'm, we're both going to take the over. I, I want to make one where if it's successful – He'll go under. I want to do something simple like saves. Oh, okay. I want to do something. Well, c- we can really only do saves for him, so we might as well. Yeah, because I think it's important. Again, it's it's very. It's not even on him to be in that. You know, sometimes there's not going to be a scenario. So maybe because he's gotten 32 the last two seasons, which seems low. Is that fair? No. Let me let me change it here. I'm going to change it to whip. Because that's oh. that shows a little bit of dominance. There's like mm, okay. Emmanuel Class A. His he's known for just dominating because he doesn't strike out guys like Edwin Diaz does. But Class A just never has runners on base because it's so hard to hit that that cutter at a hundred. Um, so I'm going to use whip. Oh my god, Class A had a zero point seven three whip last year. <laughs> that's crazy. And I thought Diaz is a number. His was his career game. whip. Obviously, he's only in. This will be his third. Yeah, his third full season uh, is. Point eight four. So he's on another level of domination, but it's not strikeouts. It's limiting base runners. But that's what Diaz did last year. He he created fewer base runners. He didn't walk many people. Um, I want to do whip, and I'm going to go right at the steamer line. They're projected mm, at point nine eight. I'm going to say the over under at point nine eight. So under in this case is better. Under is better, correct. So it's I like fewer when this walks or hits per inning pitch. Oh, I'm hammering the under. I think he's I think he's good <laughs> yeah. for going below zero. I'm gonna take again. it under as I well. I like that in the Escobar over under we, it was like this weird tug of war with our <laughs> hearts and our brains. And this one it's like, oh yeah, he's just gonna dominate. He's gonna be amazing. Yeah, I don't I think that version of twenty nineteen Edwin Diaz is dead and gone. He might not be the all out amazing closer that we saw him last year, but I think where it's a slam dunk for seeing a guy that can lock down a game in a big spot. I was just so impressed with his ability to make adjustments on his slider. He found something last year, uh, and it was more towards the end of the 21 season, uh, where he just knows how to get back to it. You talked about it in that Philly game. That was one of maybe four times the whole season that I saw him struggle to find his zone, and he still got out of it. He let up a couple of runs, but he made those pitches when he needs to. 
when he gets because he's long limbed and he's a fast twitch kind of guy. So when the ball comes out and he's off, it, it he lets it fly arm side up and away. So he he's learned his mechanics on how to get to that down and glove side. And when he can do that consistently, he knows that's where his his he doesn't have the Adovino sweeping slider. He has a little one. It's actually statistically or by the numbers not very great because it doesn't move a ton. But off of that fastball, it's pure electric. I just love that going into last year, he was one of the biggest. I w- question marks feels unfair because he was good in 2021, but it was the biggest. Like, if Edwin Diaz is good, that takes us to another level. I haven't even thought much about Edwin Diaz this offseason. I'm busy thinking about is Verlander and Scherzer going to stay healthy? What does Kodai Sango look like? What does the lineup look like without a five hitter? I don't even think about Edwin Diaz because he feels that much of a sure thing to me. I love it, and I don't want to jinx it, but that's how I feel. I feel like you're going to be able to have that reliability at the back end of the bullpen, and I think that's ultimately what they signed him up for for those five years is to give everybody a deep breath at the end of the game. Absolutely, and I think that's a, a good spot to jump out on. I agree. If you're, if you're good. Guys, thank you for tuning into this PPP. Hey, we'll be back again tomorrow. PPPs every day until opening day. Like on YouTube, subscribe, leave us a review, all the good stuff if you enjoy it, and share it with a friend. Share it with a friend. Let's go, man. I got my friend right here. I'm sure you can Ah, I like hearing the music. Me too. It's fire. You ready? It's pretty good. Not a big deal. Say I got the middle finger up. <laughs> Tickling the ivories? <laughs>